a great thing happened two nights ago as some very important members of our church passed a great milestone in their lives. Uh, Heather Marseille and uh, Kelsey Dunham graduated from high school. And we just want to let you know how very proud we are of both of you, and we want to honor you today. And I think we have a uh, PowerPoint we'd like to show. We got that, Jake? All right, here it comes.
I think they were supposed to be some music in the background there, so had some technical difficulties, but uh, the pictures spoke for themselves, didn't they? Uh, we are so very proud of both of you, and we are uh, grateful to share this occasion in your life and to, uh, to let you know that we love you very much, and uh, you're a very special part of who we are. And now, Pam, uh-huh. make the presence. girls. Would you come up here a minute, please? Elsie and Heather. You know, I've been with the scholarship team for a number of years, and I'm always, again, reminded what wonderful, wonderful kids we have in this church. Their applications were impeccable. I always am impressed with that. Their recommendations were just outstanding. And all the performance throughout high school has been the same. Each in a different area, but they've both excelled. And now... Kelsey will be going to Georgetown College, and guess what? She eventually wants to work for a nonprofit organization. <laughs> Gee, I wonder where she got that in her blood. Uh, Heather, her wonderful art talent, is going out to community college and wants to pursue that area as to where it leads her. How wonderful and creative and wonderful for both of you all. Um, I will say, Heather, you got an art award. I believe, and you're also getting the Rotary Colonels to College Scholarship. Uh, this one over here, she got a silver award in world language. Now, what kind of language was that? Spanish. Spanish? All of Spanish. Okay, very good. <laughs> uh, she's getting academic scholarships to Georgetown, a Rotary Scholarship, and graduated summa cum laude. Very proud of both of you all, and our church, in some way, wants to say good luck. And we love you beyond, beyond. Okay, this is to Kelsey. This is to Heather. And all I can say is congratulations, and we will miss you. But you know what? This church is here for you forever and ever and ever in prayer, as well as coming back to us and visit, okay? I also would like to say that Colin Vaughn, who attended, who's been with our church, he graduated also. Okay? He's not here. Stand, sing.
Let us pray together. Dear God, some days simply feel too hard for us to make it. We are hurting, struggling, fighting fear and worry at every turn. And so we thank you in the midst of it all because we know that you haven't left us to fend for ourselves. Forgive us when we doubt that you are there. Forgive us for thinking that you have forgotten about us. Forgive us for believing that we somehow know the better way. Because deep down, we know that you are trustworthy. You are all-powerful. You are able. You are Lord over every situation, no matter how difficult it may seem. You are healer and will never waste the grief that we carry. You will use all things for good in some way, and we know that that anything is possible with you. We pray for those who grieve today. We ask for your comfort to surround those who weep. We pray for the peace of your presence to cover our minds and our thoughts as you remind us that the evil one can never steal us out of your hands. Evil never has the final say over our lives. We are kept safe in your presence forever, whether in life or in death. And we thank you that your ways are higher than our ways, and your thoughts are so much bigger than our thoughts. And so, we lay it all down at your feet. Every burden, every care, every struggle that we face, believing that that is the safest place for it to be. We love you, Lord. We need your fresh grace today. So bless us with your presence. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing again our hymn of fellowship, number 405, Have Faith in God. Thank you. 
calm down, children. Make sure it was my time. It's your time. It is my time. Your time. Come on down, boys and girls. Your age, I like to talk a lot of times when I, and it, you know, it's the fifth Sunday. Anytime I come here, you can always tell we have five Sundays in the month. It's my Sunday to do children's moment this Sunday. When I was your age and where I am now, there have been a lot of changes. One thing that came across my desk this week was my 10th grade English teacher. She put something on Facebook, and she is just an incredible woman. And she talked about all the things that have changed in her life since she was younger and how none of those changes she really wants to go back and do it the old way. Here's some, I'm going to date myself when I tell you about some of these changes that I thought of this week. Is um, I'm going to need those, sweetie. This here is what we used to use in place of an iPhone. You already use it. You don't have to talk on the telephone with a cord, you know. And even my grandmother used to have one of them that you had to put your finger in and dial. It didn't have touch tones. Now, this phone doesn't do what you can't play games on your telephones that you have. You all have an iPhone or a mobile phone today. Can you play games on this phone? No, you can't watch videos on it. You can't take pictures on it. You can't see what somebody's doing or what they had to eat last night. Right? This phone is... But would you want to go back to just a plain old telephone? No. 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 Something else. When I, In 1974, Henderson, Kentucky got cable TV. And we went from having three television channels in Henderson to 12. Okay? Nowadays, you pretty much... And we only could see cartoons on Saturday mornings. And the news you could only get at 6 o'clock and 10 o'clock. Now, guess what? How many channels do you have on your TV at home? Like 93 channels. I mean, how much TV can you watch? But do you want to go back to just three channels? No. No. It's boring. That's right. It's boring. And what are, what are these? These are what? DVDs. Well, when I was younger, the only thing that when we wanted to go to the movie, we had to go to the movie theater. Nowadays, you don't even use these DVDs. You just go to Netflix you can pretty much get just about any movie you want, right? So we, we probably don't want to, to change in going back to a telephone, three channels, or movies. Here's something else. What's this? Popcorn. Microwave popcorn. Do you know how my grandmother used to make popcorn? She got out her iron skillet, and she'd put some oil in there, and she'd put the popcorn in there, and she'd just shake it around, shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it, and all of a sudden we'd have popcorn. Nowadays, you can have just about any food you want, about any time you want it, right? You like it when you can get instant popcorn, right? Yes. Well, here's where we need to end up. Things in our world, they change very quickly. Some of them are for the good, like the telephone here, that's for the good, and the movies that we can get any time. But sometimes there's changes in our world that make us fearful and make us possibly angry and not, um, we don't like them. But there is one particular change that's not going to happen. 
and that's God's love for us. It says in Hebrews, you know, when I, when I heard adults when I was your age say the book of the Bible, Hebrews, you know what I always thought? That only men could brew coffee. They were Hebrews. <laughs> but this book of the Bible, Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we can always count on Jesus. Jesus will always be there no matter how crazy the world gets, no matter how many changes come and go. Jesus is going to be the same today and forever. We can count on Jesus to remain true, his love and his word. That might not mean a whole lot to you today, but I guarantee you the truth that I'm telling you when you get older, if you can remember that, your life, it's going to be a lot easier if you can always remember that Jesus will always be the same. Nothing's going to change. We can always count on Jesus. And that brings a lot of comfort to me as an adult, and I know it will be for you as well. So like my English teacher, Mrs. Becker, said in a Facebook post this week, she doesn't want to change anything because she knows that there are some things that do stay the same. Let's say a little prayer and we'll be done. Dear Father, we thank you so much that in the midst of changes that sometimes happen quickly and sometimes that cause us to fear and to wonder what's next, we have one constant in our lives, and God, that is you. You and your Son, Jesus Christ, help us to always remember that. Amen. Okay. You can go with the adult supervisor today and continue in your worship. Thank you for coming down. The scripture for today comes from Romans 5, 1 to 5. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. But not only that, we are also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. This is the word of the Lord.
Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you to worship you, to praise you, and to be with you in your house today. We bring with you love, joy, and happiness that some of us are graduating, and yet some of us are hurting and in pain. May we use these gifts to help those to see your love and to be your presence to others in our community. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Jika. That was beautiful. There's a um, silly little story going around about a man trying to cross the street. But when he steps to, off of the curb, a car comes screaming around the corner and heads straight for him. And so the man begins to walk a little faster, trying to hurry across the street. But the car changes lanes and is still coming right at him. And so the guy turns around to go back, and the car changes lanes again and is still coming at him. And by now, the car is so close that the man is so scared that he just stops right in the middle of the street, not knowing what to do. And so the car gets real close and then swerves at the very last possible moment and stops next to the man. The driver rolls down the window, and lo and behold, it's a squirrel driving the car. You like that picture? And the squirrel says to the man, see, it's not as easy as it looks, is it? (laughs) Well, it's not easy. No matter how fortunate we may feel, no matter how virtuous we may be, there comes a time in all of our lives when our luck simply runs out and life slams us in the face. 
And at a time like that, we may feel like a squirrel trying to cross a busy road. And there seems to be no place to turn. Some of you have already been there. Some of you are there now. And others of us don't like to think about it, but we know that our time is coming. It happens to everyone. We're beginning a new series of messages today called When Good People Have Bad Times. And these messages are intended to be preventative maintenance, if you will, so that in those times when we feel like a squirrel on a busy street, our faith can be strong enough so that we can not only endure, but to do so victoriously. Now, the Apostle Paul deals specifically with life's difficult situations in our lesson for today. He says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Now, I want you to pay particular attention to these words. Not only do we boast in the hope of the glory of God, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. What a remarkable statement that is. We glory in our sufferings. How can we possibly do that? I mean, think about it. Sufferings hurt. Sufferings are inconvenient. Some of us spend our entire lives trying to avoid suffering. And so maybe now's a good time for us to talk about the role of suffering in our lives. Well, first of all, Paul is telling us in this passage of Scripture that bad times are not designed to destroy us, but to make us stronger. We dealt with this theme all during our, our season of Lent. All of our struggles in life are not designed to defeat us, but to make us strong. One author compares a, uh, the Christian response to suffering with the term YAC. Anybody familiar with that? Any of you football fans familiar with that? Oh. Huh? Y- yards after contact, right? Is that right? Catch, okay. Yards after catch, okay. Well, I... Uh, NFL has, has the, uh, well, John Madden coined a term, yards after contact, as a measurement of the number of yards that a runner gets after he is initially hit by an opposing player. I think we got a video. We got a video uh, set up to show this, a demonstration of this. Thank <laughs> you. 
that's good. <laughs> you kind of get the, the gist of what we're talking about here, don't you? When, when a, an opposing player hits a running back, the, the running back doesn't throw the ball down immediately when he's hit. He doesn't just stop running. He doesn't announce, I'm taking my ball and going home if you're going to play like that. What does he do? He keeps his legs moving. He keeps, it, he keeps his legs going when he gets hit. And he, he makes a spin and he keeps moving forward. He keeps heading towards that goal line. And, 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 and most of the best runners make their most important yards, their touchdowns or their, their third down conversions after they've been hit. And that's what God means for God's people to do as well, to keep moving forward. When life strikes us a blow. That's how we get stronger in our faith. That's how we build up the spiritual resources that we need to, to deal with life. So you see, bad times, they're, they're, they come to all of us, but they are not designed to destroy us. But rather, they are designed to make us stronger. But times of adversity also make us wiser. They help us to take stock of our lives and make changes that can move us forward. As Paul writes, suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. Sherwood Sherwood Wirt uh, wrote a book titled Jesus, Man of Joy, and He has a very helpful section in this book on the the positive role of pain and how how pain can play a positive role in our lives. He tells us about a young boy growing up in a Christian home in Ohio. And one one day the boy leaves home to work on a canal boat, but while he's on the boat he injures a foot chopping wood. He gets blood poisoning and soon becomes an invalid. He is bedridden. And during a long, painful months in bed, he resolved that when he recovered, he would seek an education, which is exactly what he did. He studied for the ministry, but then he became a teacher and then a school principal. Then during the Civil War, he joined joined the 42nd Ohio Volunteers, where he became a hero fighting at Shiloh and Chickamauga. He rose to the rank of Major General And then after serving in Congress as a representative from Ohio and as a U.S. Senator, James Abram Garfield, a boy who once was considered an invalid, was elected president of the United States. But I want you to notice that it was while he was lying in bed in pain that he decided to to change the direction of his life. And my friends, there have been so many people who have discovered that a time of pain or adversity or suffering marked a a turning point for their lives as well. A time of adversity should always be a time of emotional and spiritual growth. If nothing else, going through a time of adversity will teach us that, that we can survive. We can make it through hard times because we've done it before. We're told that during uh, World War I, sailors whose ships had sunk floated in lifeboats, cold and hungry for days and sometimes for a week or so, and then they would start to die. 
But the mystery was that a greater proportion of younger sailors died first. How could this be? The younger sailors were more physically fit, and they should have lasted longer, but why were they dying first? Well, here's what the researchers discovered. They discovered that many of the older men had been sunk before. They had, their, their ships had sunk before, or maybe they knew someone else who had, had been sunk and had been rescued alive. And simply knowing that they had been rescued before reinforced the will to live. And they knew that there was a path to survival. And so they knew that, that hanging on to life really worked. Paul writes, suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. You see, just knowing that you've been in difficult times before, that can increase your odds of surviving even more difficult times later. I heard about a, a Sunday school class that was asked the question, in your times of discouragement, what is your favorite verse of Scripture? One young man said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalm 23, 1. A middle-aged woman said, God is my refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Psalm 46, 1. Another woman said, in this world you shall have tribulations, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. John 16, 33. And then Mr. John, who was 80 years old, stood up and he said with as much strength as he could muster, and it came to pass 85 times in the Bible. Well, the class started to, to laugh a little bit, thinking that old Mr. John's memory was beginning to fail him a bit. But when they stopped laughing, he said this. He said, when I was 30 years old, I, lo I lost my job with six hungry children and a wife to feed. And I didn't know how I was going to make it. When I was 40, my oldest son was killed overseas in the war, and it knocked me down. At 50, my house burned to the ground and nothing was saved from it. At 60, my wife of 40 years got cancer. It slowly ate away at her. We cried together many a night on our knees in prayer. At 65, she died, and I still miss her today. He said, the pain I went through in each of these situations was unbelievable. I wondered where God was, but each time I looked in the Bible, I saw one of those 85 verses that said, and it came to pass. And I felt like God was telling me that my pain and my circumstances were also going to pass and that God would get me through it. My, my friends, I think that that is such an important lesson for us to learn. We can endure more than we think we can. With God's help, we can get through anything that life throws at us. Because Paul tells us suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. Author and 
speaker, Charles Swindle, tells about having lunch with a prominent businessman one day. And and as they talked, the subject of wisdom kept popping up. And so Swindle asked the man, how does a person get wisdom? He said, I realize we are to be people of wisdom, but few people talk about how to get it. How do you get wisdom? And the businessman's answer was quick and to the point. Pain. That's all he said. You get wisdom through pain. Swindle paused and looked into the man's eyes, and without knowing the specifics, he knew that this one-word answer was not theoretical. For this man and pain had gotten to know each other pretty well. It was then that Swindle quoted from the first chapter of James. When James says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Then he said, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. You know, you could probably make a good case for the proposition that without difficulties in our lives, we would remain spiritual and emotional infants. And you can make a convincing case that parents who are too easy on their children do, the, do them a great disservice because in a sense they are stunting their growth. Because folks, we learn our greatest lessons and we experience our greatest growth during our times of testing. And yes, even during our times of pain. Marilyn Abram wrote a book titled, First We Quit Our Jobs. What a great, what a great title. But in it, she, she has some wonderful points. And she makes an, a fascinating observation. She says that she was once signed up to go on a hike along with a group of other adventurers with a ranger a forest ranger. And the ranger told them a remarkable thing. He said, when a, a, a tree's life is threatened, stressed by the elements or fire or drought or some, some other calamity, when a, a tree's life is threatened, it twists beneath its bark to reinforce itself and to make itself stronger. On the surface, everything looks the same, but this new inner strength may not be visible from the outside, but it's only when the exterior is stripped away or, or when the tree is felled that we're able to see the, its inner struggles. You see, the tree becomes stronger as it overcomes adversity. And the Apostle, Apostle Paul, as well as the writer of James, they say the same thing. Even though life can sometimes hurt, we can embrace those hurts if we understand that God is using them to make us a new, into a new creation. One fit to live with God forever in the kingdom of God. Monica Dickens in her book, Miracle of Courage, tells a touching story about David, a little two-year-old boy with leukemia who was taken to the, uh, by his mother, Deborah, 
to the Massachusetts General Hospital to see Dr. John Truman, who specializes in treating children with cancer and various blood diseases. Dr. Truman's prognosis was devastating. He has a 50-50 chance of surviving, he said. And the countless clinic visits and blood tests and IV drugs and the fear and the pain, the mother's ordeal can be almost as bad as the child's because she is forced to stand by and is not able to take the pain upon herself. But David never cried in the waiting room. And and even though he knew his friends in the clinic had to hurt him and stick needles into him, he hustled in ahead of his mother with a smile on his face, sure of the welcome that he was about to receive. And then when he was three years old, David had to have a, a spinal tap, which is a painful procedure at any age, much less for a three-year-old. It was explained to him that because he was sick, Dr. Truman had to do something to make him feel better. And Deborah said to him, if it hurts, remember it's because he loves you. Well, the procedure was awful. It took three nurses to hold David still. And and he yelled and he sobbed and he struggled. But when it was almost over, this tiny little boy, soaked in sweat and tears, looked up at the doctor and and gasped, Thank you, Dr. Tuman, for my hurting. My friends, there are some hurts that, that you and I might experience for which we will never be able to find any good purpose. And we may never be able to say, Thank you for our hurting in this life. But Scripture tells us, don't give up. In the world to come, our understanding and perspective will be opened up and all of God's graces will be revealed to us. And we'll be able to understand things then that we can never understand here. And the fact is that none of us understands why God created a world in which there is suffering. And I'm not offering this message today as some kind of an explanation. I'm simply making some suggestions of what we may be able to learn based on our Scripture lesson. And I do know this. There's no gain without pain. Romans 8.28 says that we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love God and who have been called according to God's purpose. Maybe we'll find out someday that in our struggles, God was trying to do something wonderful in our lives. And maybe, just maybe, when that day comes, we might one day be able to whisper to our Heavenly Father, thank you for our hurting. Thank you even for the pain. Amen. Let us sing together our closing hymn, 478, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto us.
Oh Lord, we have caught a glimpse of your majesty today. Everything that we see gives testimony to your glory. And we recognize that every day is not all gumdrops and roses. We all have our times when it seems that life is throwing one roadblock after another in our way. But in this one thing, we can take great comfort. You are always there with us. And so, strengthened by that reality, we step confidently into tomorrow. And we rejoice that your spirit will guide us into all truth and lead us into the ways of love and faithfulness. In your name we pray. Amen.